Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. At this time, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity to come together this morning as we continue the worship of You. Allow us to have hearts that understand that worship is an appropriate response to you, who you have revealed yourself to be. Thank you for being the creator, sustainer, and author of life. Thank you for eternal life that is found through Jesus and him alone. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, before we begin Obadiah part two, let's review Obadiah part one from last week. Last week, we talked about Petra, this beautiful city that is built into the rocks, kind of a mountainous area. Petra is 600 feet above the valleys below. A few of you came up to me, actually, after service last week and had shared how you've actually seen Petra firsthand. You've actually been able to visit Petra. But it's not known necessarily for its beauty alone. As you can tell from this photo that you're looking at, Petra is rather amazing. It is gorgeous. But the reason why Petra was so important in its day and age is because it was impenetrable. Because it sat 600 feet above the nearest valley, because they were able to build things into the rocks, because they had secret staircases where individuals had to go one by one. Somebody after church, I believe it was Susan Leonard, informed me that they could only get through because she was there personally and shared with me they had to go by animal and animal alone, one by one, single file. Then they had these chambers built into the wall where archers could rain arrows down from a high, therefore they controlled the skies. And then they built cisterns that collected the rainwater so they had an unlimited supply of water, so you couldn't just surround them and say, well, we'll let them starve. No, it didn't work like that. And since this area, in this area in time, this period in time, shall I say, this era of time, because it was so impenetrable, other nations wanted to be allies with the Edomites, because this was an Edom, or you could pronounce it Adam, but I'm going to pronounce it Edom for the sake of us who speak English first and not Hebrew or Arabic or any of the other languages spoken during this time period in this area, in this region. See, they would store their gold there as well. All their wealth would be stored at Petra because Petra was secure. Last week we took that knowledge of what we know of Petra and then started thinking about our own country and we decided, wait, hold on a second, there are some similarities here. The United States of America is a modern day Petra. From sea to shining sea, we realize that we are protected by the Atlantic and the Pacific. We only have two neighbors that border us. We don't have a lot to worry about and also we control the skies with our military. And we also store other nations' wealth because we realized that most of the gold in the world is stored in New York City at the Federal Reserve Vault. So when we hear what the Lord is saying through Obadiah, we should understand that it pertains to us too. But not just us, it pertains to all nations. All nations need to heed the warning that we see. But there's one thing that we didn't mention last week that we're going to talk about a little bit today, and it is this. See, 
We didn't talk about how the Edomites do not exist modern day. There's nobody on this earth today who claims to be an Edomite because we know from the text that the Lord said that he was going to completely blot them out. He was going to completely destroy them. So if the Edomites have ceased to exist, let's talk about something modern day. The next image that you're looking at is a modern day map of the Middle East, but particularly just right there with Israel and their surrounding neighbors. You've all heard of the country of Jordan. You've all heard of the West Bank. Well, as we get into the text today, just remember this. Jordan is actually the Edomite Mountains. It is Mount Esau that we're going to hear about in the text today. These are real places. The West Bank is actually Ephraim and Samaria. And we know that we've heard a little bit about this region on the news because of everything and the importance that it has to do with Israel. Those in the Negev region, the Lord says in our text today, will possess Mount Esau, which is modern-day Jordan. Those in the Shephelah will possess the land of Ephraim in Samaria, which is the modern-day West Bank. Brothers and sisters, do you realize what this indicates for us? If we can take a map of modern-day Israel, dive into the Old Testament book of Obadiah. You know what this indicates to us? You know what we should be realizing from everything we're about ready to dive in today? See, what we should realize is this. The Lord will rise up Israel again and give them back their inheritance. Here at Villa's Grace, we don't believe that Israel's been replaced by the church there are many denominations and churches that actually preach that the modern day church, the era that we're in today, has actually replaced Israel. We don't look at things like that. We believe that God still has a plan for the Jewish people, His people. And that's why everything that we see here in Obadiah is important to us today, and especially as we allow God's word from Obadiah, this prophet, to speak to us as we live under the nation that we live under. And what was that main idea that we had last week? The overarching theme of Obadiah verses 1 through 14. It was that the Lord turns his back on nations who commit violence against his children. Because that's what Obadiah was warning the Edomites about. That's what he was telling the Israelites. The Lord will turn His back on those nations who commit violence against His children. And before we begin today, it is beyond recognition. There is no denying the fact that our nation has committed violent acts against the children of God throughout the world. It is our nation who allows the murder of innocent babies in the womb so even abortion being condoned by a nation is a nation itself committing violent acts against the children of God. The Lord didn't stand for it with Edom. There is not one Edomite on this earth today because of what they did to God's people. And this brings us to the title of our sermon today, this little recap from last week. We are now in Obadiah part two. And today we're going to be looking at Verses 15 through 21, but we have a subtitle for this book because really 
The subtitle is The Fall of an Empire. That's what we're seeing. But it's not just one empire. As we've mentioned, there are many empires who have fallen by committing the same acts of violence that Edom has committed, and there will be more to come. Today we're going to be covering verses 15 through 21 as we finish this book. It's a short book, one chapter, 21 verses. But there are three main things that we will be focusing on today. And those three things are these. The day of judgment, the day of deliverance, and the day of restoration. That's what we're going to be seeing today in the text. The day of judgment, the day of deliverance, and the day of restoration. All of these things have to do with Israel and our eternal security too. I'm going to say that again. Because we believe that God still has a plan for Israel, everything that we're covering today has everything to do with not only Israel, but also our eternal security that is only achieved through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, one more thing. This one's important. All three of these, as we're going to see right out the gate, have everything to do with the day of the Lord. That is a term that you should not forget. So with all this being said, let's go ahead and get into our text and see what Obadiah has to say as a prophet, as he's speaking for the Lord. Obadiah 1, 15 through 21. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall have be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them. And there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zephyrah, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Shepharad, shall possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Amen. The one sentence that defines all of these verses is this. The Lord judges Israel's enemies for the purpose of delivering and restoring His Jewish people. The Lord judges Israel's enemies for the purpose of delivering and restoring His Jewish people. But we also know that He does the same for us too because as those who have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, we are considered to be the children of God. So let's start with the day of judgment. For the Lord, or for the day of the Lord, is how we begin. And this has everything to do with Jesus' second coming. We know that Jesus will return again. And right here, Obadiah is saying, for the day of the Lord, what does he say? Is near upon all the nations. All nations will eventually be judged. If God says that it's going to happen, it 
will happen. As we already know, Edom and the Edomites already have been. And where are they today? Nowhere to be found. Now in verse 15, do you notice God's standard for judging? He has a standard. He sets it up right here. And in verse 15, we understand that God's standard for judging is, as you have done, it shall be done to you. So the way in which you have treated other people is the way in which the Lord is going to judge you. Now, the Lord further calls out the Edomites in verse 16, because what does he say? He says, For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow. See, the Lord is calling out Edom for celebrating their victory over Israel. Not only did they celebrate, but where did they celebrate? What does the text tell us here? Not only are they celebrating Israel's demise, but they're also celebrating in a particular place. And it says right here in the text, on my holy mountain. Remember, the southern half of modern day Jordan from beginning, from the outset, where is that? That's right there in the country of Jordan. And that's what we can't forget. That's where they were celebrating. The Edomites forgot whose land that they actually had inhibited. See, the Lord's judgment on Edom, as it says here, and shall be as though they had never been. That's why we can say there is no one here today who can claim to be an Edomite. Because God says, when I judge them, they will be like they have never been. And he did. He allowed them to be destroyed, which we're going to get to. But see, present day, no one on this earth claims to be that Edomite because it's virtually impossible because the Lord has made it such. The question, though, is do you know why? Because he can do the same thing to us. God can call us into existence, and then he can call us out of existence. He speaks life. Now, that is a judgment that I don't want to be part of. I don't want the Lord to judge myself or be part or go along with a nation that is being judged because they have committed violent acts against God's children. But there's good news for us. Those of us who have a saving faith in Jesus, we know about what comes next. And it's here in our text when we start with verse 17, and that is the day of of deliverance. And this is where we can find our hope. However, though, we must remember the day of the Lord from verse 15, because judgment is near and upon all nations. No nation will escape God's judgment. Now observe what Obadiah is prophesying in verse 17. What does he say? He says, but in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy. In the day of the Lord, His judgment will not actually be completely exhaustive. Because in His deliverance, in His day of deliverance, which actually comes also for the day of the Lord, He will hold back a remnant. You know how that goes. We've done that here. We've held back remnants of our carpet just in case somebody spills black paint this week like myself, some of it got on my shoe, but if you look where Bill is standing right now, there's some blotches of black paint. So we've held back a remnant of all the paint 
that we are all the carpet that we've already purchased, but God's going to do the exact same thing. He's going to hold back a remnant of his people. There's going to be a remnant of Jews held back. What does it say? It says, those who escape, who will they be? They will be the house of Jacob. This is that remnant. Who shall possess their own possessions. The Lord will give his remnant their inheritance. So really, brothers and sisters, what is this inheritance that they'll be getting? What is it that the Lord has promised them to one day possess again? Their land. There's something that's actually a little troubling about that because the land that Israel will one day possess, again, this inheritance that is coming to them is actually possessed right now by Islamic countries. What does he say? Now the house of Jacob. This is the northern kingdom of Israel that he's speaking of. In the house of Joseph are the patriarchs. These are actually the Jewish people themselves. Therefore, the house of Jacob and the house of Joseph will be united. They will unite together in the day of the Lord. They're going to be united as an instrument of judgment. The Lord is raising up His people. Therefore, the house of Esau, Mount Esau, that we talked about earlier will be nothing, it will be reduced to nothing but stubble. The Lord will deliver his people with his people. He will use his own people to rise up again to deliver judgment. Brothers and sisters, do you remember what was said at the beginning of Obadiah, verse 1, that we covered last week? The very first thing that was stated and something that we've already alluded to was this Obadiah comes out and says, Thus says the Lord concerning Edom. This has already happened to Edom. And this will happen again in the future to all the nations surrounding Israel that have claimed possession of land that belongs to God's children. The Word of God alone creates, and that's what we've already alluded to. But we need to understand if the Word of God alone creates, then the Word of God alone destroys. Oh, that's right. Let's take a look at the verse of 18. What does it say? For the Lord has spoken. He's spoken His judgment. We've now witnessed him speaking his deliverance. Now let's hear him speak about his restoration. The day of restoration is in verses 19 and 20. And this actually brings us full circle. Again, those in the Negev region, the Lord says, will possess Mount Esau, which is actually modern day Jordan. Those in the Shephelah will possess the land of Ephraim and Samaria. That's the modern-day West Bank. Both areas are controlled right now by Islamic states. Now, this could happen tomorrow. This could happen in 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 1,000 years from now. We don't know when it's going to happen, but what we do know is that it will happen. But if it did happen tomorrow or even happen today, it would look like this. It means that Israel would get half of the country of Jordan, and then they would possess the whole Gaza Strip. 
And if Israel took possession of both of those locations modern day, what do you think the rest of the world would do? It's not a bright future for this world. The end has already come in. We know the end result. We already know what God can do because of what He's done to the Edomites, and we already know what He's going to do because He says He's going to be doing the same to the rest of the nations in this world. And that's one thing that we have got to get clear. There is no such thing as a Christian nation. I've said that three times in the last three sermons that I was able to preach. And there's a reason why I keep saying the same thing over and over again. One of the things that we learned in seminary right out the gate, or if you take any type of Bible study method course, the first thing you learn is what's repeated. I'm repeating myself. There is no such thing as a Christian nation. Nations themselves cannot be Christian. It's impossible, and there's one reason and one reason alone why that is an impossibility, and that reason is this. Nations cannot be Christian because only people are. People are Christian, nations aren't. So if you think that we live in a Christian nation, just remember all the things that we have done to other countries in violence, all the things that we've indirectly allowed to happen, as we learned last week by standing aloof and standing back and allowing our country for the sake of propping up the almighty dollar as the standard world currency, there's, there's innocent blood on the hands of this nation. And then I'm going to go ahead and mention abortion again. So if you think that this is a Christian nation that you want to fight for, go for it, but you're also fighting a lost battle because God's going to come back and judge our job is to be followers of Christ first and foremost. Not the government. When was the last time any government has ever really, truly been able to save anybody? Nobody. Nobody's ever been saved by their government. Because only Jesus saves. Brothers and sisters, you know what I find to be amazing though? Because the Lord will use nations. He's used our nation mightily. It wasn't until after the end of World War II and then on until 1949 that Israel became a nation again. See, if the United States doesn't step up in World War II, maybe Israel wouldn't have had the opportunity of becoming a nation again. Israel had ceased to be a nation gathered together on their own land prior to that. So I'm all for you being patriotic. That's, that's what we talked about last week too. Because last week was tied to pride. The Edomites were self-sufficient, so the Lord basically punished them and judged them due to their pride. Here's the thing. Don't take pride in your country from the standpoint of what we're capable of doing, but be patriotic enough to support your country like we're called to do in God's word. We need to be outstanding citizens of our country, but we find our allegiance as being children of God first and foremost. So do not blur the lines between pride and patriotism. In fact, let's take this one step further. We can say it's amazing that, you know, Israel didn't come back to their land until after World War II. They don't possess everything yet because we know that they don't have the southern half of Jordan and they still don't have the Gaza Strip. But there's something that's even more important than the United States being one of the key reasons why World War II was won by the Allies. Something that's far more important than that, and it's this, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus would have never have died a perfect death and be resurrected from the grave, 
then none of this would be possible. Brothers and sisters, everything hinges on him and his work. So we can sit here today and talk about these three things. We can talk about the day of judgment because we'll be judged according to his work. That gives me comfort. When I stand before the Lord someday, I don't stand before the Lord being judged on my work. If that were the case, I would cease to exist. But we get to stand before the Lord being judged on the person and work of Jesus Christ, but only if we have faith in Him and what He has done. The Gospel's very clear. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Even the faith that you have in Jesus was a gift given to you by God. On the day of deliverance, we know that Jesus delivered us from the consequence of our sin. And the consequence of sin is death. We have been delivered from death. We have been given life eternal through Jesus. This same Jesus who's going to return again. Who is coming to fulfill everything that we see here being prophesied in the book of Obadiah. And ultimately, we talked about the day of restoration. Because of our faith in Jesus, even though we are sinners, even though we have faith in Jesus and still sin, because really the only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is the fact that Christians actually recognize that they are sinful. That's it. But we have hope in one day, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, through the words of Paul, that we will one day have a resurrected body that is free from ever having sinned because of what Jesus has done. And because of all this, Jesus has restored us too. There's a day of restoration. Not only for what the Lord is going to do with Israel in the future, but also what He has done through or for us through Jesus. Because of our faith in Jesus, we have been made like new. Do you see the similarities here? Just like we can take Petra and say it's very similar to the United States, the Edomites and the military power that they had with their stronghold is very similar to the stronghold that we have in the modern area. To see the parallels there is the same for us to see the parallels between what the Lord has done for us who have saving faith in Jesus and what He's going to one day do for His children, for the Jewish people in Israel. They are the saviors that go up to the mountain. That is mentioned here in the text. He is going to use His people to evangelize the world when Jesus returns. Let's pray. Lord, it's amazing to see how you're still at it and our ability to be candid here this morning, we would admit that we would be tired by now. But you're not. You're still working. You know what happens in the end. You have told us. It should make our faith all the more easy, but we struggle. Lord, as we continue here at Villa's Grace Church, I just pray that 
We can be used to share our faith with others so we can see others come to a saving faith in you. That is our only goal. And we pray all this because it has been made possible through Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.